Welcome to Healthcare Beat, a healthcare podcast brought to you by Seifarth Shaw's cross-disciplinary healthcare team. Each beat will focus on key industry trends and the latest developments while identifying practical takeaways for those in this space. I'm Adam Lawton, partner in Seifarth's corporate department and host of Healthcare Beat. Let's jump in. Today, we continue our special series focused on Seifarth's recently released publication, The Future of Healthcare in the United States, What a Post-Pandemic Healthcare System Could Look Like. As listeners may know, this is the second edition of our healthcare group's signature piece and provides updates and insights into what the post-pandemic world may look like for the healthcare industry. If you haven't seen a copy yet, be sure to reach out and check the Seifarth.com website. In the meantime, I'm joined today by Jesse Coleman, colleague at Seifarth and co-chair of the firm's healthcare practice and author of Chapter 2 of our treatise titled A Turning Point for Hospitals and Other Facilities. Jesse, welcome to Healthcare Beat series on the future of healthcare in the United States. Thanks, Adam. Happy to be here. Jesse, maybe where we can start is just give us a brief summary of what your chapter includes. Sure. So a colleague of mine in Washington, D.C., an excellent healthcare regulations lawyer, Bill Eck, and I got together and looked at how the pandemic environment impacted providing healthcare services across the board, and particularly with regards to hospitals and medical staffs that work within hospitals. And what we found is perhaps more than any other industry, as you can imagine, the pandemic has dramatically impacted how hospitals do business. And unsurprisingly, given the fact that this is a healthcare pandemic and an issue that dramatically impacts healthcare or hospital and other facility patients. And so what we've seen is a dramatic change in the way services are provided, how they're reimbursed, and ultimately how physicians, uh, healthcare providers who provide these services, how they are credentialed and maintain their position on medical staffs. And what do we think in terms of the most lasting effects that the pandemic will have on hospitals and other types of healthcare facilities? Well, at the beginning of the pandemic, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, issued a host of emergency declaration blanket waivers for healthcare providers. These are known as 1135 waivers, and they are granted under Section 1812F of the Social Security Act. And essentially, these waivers remove a lot of the requirements of providers in terms of how they obtain privileges at hospitals, how they provide their services, where they can provide the services, how hospitals maintain quality improvement, and a host of billing and other licensing issues. As of today, a lot of these waivers remain in place, and I think there's a question of how it is that we're ever going to get back to any sort of normal on these issues. Some of the waivers have been revoked, but the vast majority remain in place or have even been enhanced since the pandemic began approximately 18 months ago. And some of those have a dramatic impact, for example, on medical staffs. CMS has waived requirements to allow physicians whose privileges expire to continue practicing at a hospital or for new physicians to be able to practice before the medical staff or governing body has conducted their full review and approval. 
This is a significant issue as you have physicians who continue to practice whose privileges might have otherwise expired. CMS has waived requirements that medical staff privileges be periodically reappraised for ambulatory surgical centers, for example. And this allows physicians to continue practicing even after those privileges may have expired. Again, this has a real impact on physician governance, but it also impacts the nature of the healthcare providers that you may see when coming into a hospital. It may be somebody whose privileges are expired or are under current review, and that has an impact on healthcare, one we can dig into further. The other side of this is the waiver for physician licensing. The CMS is temporarily waiving requirements and has done so throughout the pandemic for out-of-state practitioners to be licensed in the state where they're providing services when they're licensed in another state. They also do this with regards to telehealth and whether or not a physician can practice via telehealth in another state. Now, none of this impacts, for example, a state licensing requirement and either telehealth or being physically present. But as of October 6, 2021, 32 states have waivers of some form that allow for or modify the requirements for telehealth for an out-of-state physician. And as of September 29th, 22 states have some form of waiver that allow physicians to practice out of state from where they have a license. Now, it's interesting to look at this. This isn't static. I give you the dates because this is the changing thing. While the CMS blanket waivers are largely unchanged throughout the pandemic, these waivers for the state physician licenses have been changing. At the beginning of the pandemic, as we reported in our original chapter on this issue, all 50 states had issued waivers. But as you can see from what I've said, we've seen that number drop, and now we only see 22 states with current waivers, for example. We have 28 states here in the District of Columbia who either don't have waivers or have closed out their waivers. So again, this concept of physicians that don't have up-to-date privileges at a hospital or that are allowed to practice outside their purview of license in a geographic sense, this can have an impact on the provision of care and the ability for a hospital to provide adequate oversight. These waivers have been put in place, obviously, with the salutary intention of providing more health care providers in a moment of a pandemic, but it's a tricky trade-off. You may end up having circumstances where people are providing care where they no longer have the effective competence that they need to, or there is at least a question about that, and the adequate safeguards that were in place for that are currently being waived. And so the ability to police that may already be a significant challenge and may become more so. And what are some specific actions or recommendations that you may have because there are so many changes or waivers? What can institutions or facilities do to take advantage of this or protect themselves? Absolutely. So CMS maintains, as do the federal and state licensing medical boards, they maintain lists of where these waivers are present. CMS keeps up-to-date lists. And as I said before, CMS maintains a fairly static group. I would encourage hospitals to stay abreast of these waivers to ensure that they are keeping tabs on where these waivers continue, where they can apply for them. There is an important effect that this can have on physicians and hospitals and their ability to provide this care. 
it opens up and frees them to focus on the very real and ongoing impact of this pandemic. But you don't want to get to a point where you created a practice, a way of doing business only to find out that it's premised on a waiver that may have expired. So the information is freely available. I would check with your healthcare attorneys that are representing and supporting your business to just keep tabs on these because they are useful. They do free up resources, but they do have their limits, and it's important to understand them both in terms of substance and the temporal limits associated with them. Jesse, thanks so much. Maybe in wrapping up here, can you give us two or three of what you feel like are the most important takeaways from the chapter for folks who have read it, or maybe if they haven't read it, if they're just hearing about it for the first time, what are the two or three big ideas or big takeaways that you have? Absolutely. So the biggest takeaway is that the healthcare landscape is constantly changing, and it's important to stay up to date in how regulations and federal and state waivers may impact that. While CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Service, continue to provide waivers, those can change. And so it's important to stay up to date with those. They currently free up a lot of resources, but things may dramatically change as CMS looks to get us back to normal. This is particularly true in terms of physician credentialing and licensing. Similarly with the states, as you can see, there's even more of a dramatic change that hasn't remained static. And so I would encourage our healthcare providers to stay up to date as to those waivers so they continue to provide us the best healthcare for us as patients and their clients. I'd like to thank Jesse for joining me today. We certainly appreciate all of his insight and expertise that's been shared with us today. And thank you for joining us for another edition of SciFarth's Healthcare Beat podcast, bringing you the latest developments and pressing issues in healthcare. So you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to visit SciFarth.com, where you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We hope you'll join us next time as we continue our series on the future of healthcare in the United States, where we'll feature key takeaways from another chapter in our publication.